Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs. That includes live betting and fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Really, Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, sitting with Doug West, and we also have from uh, Denver Stiffs, Ryan Blackburn is here to talk, Tim Conley getting uh, poached by the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I guess, Doug, Ryan, how are you both doing today before we get into this conversation? Well, I'm doing 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 great. Yeah, we're we're doing great. (laughs) Um. Well, I'm glad you guys were both able to make this work because of the news that did come out yesterday. It seemed like looming news. It kind of seemed like as it progressed, things were going to eventually happen. And then they did now officially happen yesterday. And I guess, Doug, for you, as someone who is following the Timberwolves side of things, what were your general reactions? I know we touched on it a little bit when we recorded this weekend, but we didn't know if it was a for sure thing then. Now we know he signed the deal. What are your thoughts about bringing in Tim Conley, somebody new to run the run the front office for the Timberwolves? Yeah, well, it's always good to have uh, a little bit of change. Um, you know, even though things were were going pretty smooth last year, it's always always good to get someone who's who's uh, been involved, who's uh, this has been their life, um, been very successful at it. Um, you know, uh, reading up on on Tim a little today, I, I feel like uh, he's going to come in with a uh, great um attitude and um you know excitement to 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 start something new again i know it must be kind of tough leaving what he's built in denver um but it's another opportunity to to build a solid foundation around another um young group so i'm excited for it excited for the opportunity and i think the thing that's been the most interesting is the last few people to run the the timberwolves with gupta this past year Rosas before that, they've never had experience being the guy in a front office. And now Conley comes with, I don't know how many years in Denver he was the guy. Ryan, you could probably answer that question. I think it was like a handful of years, but he was in Denver yeah. for eight years, right? Eight or nine years. Yeah, he, he was the, the GM for the first four years of his tenure, then moved up to the president of basketball operations for the last five. So total of nine making the major decisions after about five years or so or four years or so. Okay, so I guess I'll throw the question back at you now as a, somebody who's following the Nuggets, covering the Nuggets. What's the general fan emotions after this happened? Maybe the sense around the team. Um, I don't know if the Nuggets have done like a press conference or anything since it's happened, but just what are the feelings like in Denver? Uh, the, the general sentiment is disappointment. 
and and some anger at the ownership group for for letting Tim Connolly go. Uh, because from from all the reports, I can I can certainly say that Tim Connolly did not want to leave Denver. He was very entrenched with this organization. It took a massive offer to get him from the from the Minnesota side, and they showed their value, how much they value him. They showed how much they cared about him, and and the Nuggets had an opportunity to match. I, I think that had they come close on the offer, uh, Tim Connolly probably would have stayed because he was beloved in Denver. They, they have a chance to win a title. And that is definitely the culture that he has established as, as one of the reasons for that. Uh, the, the anger at Nuggets ownership, I think is, is well-founded because they have a, a certain track record of not paying their coaching and, and front office personnel, the, the proper amount that they're supposed to. Yeah. And I think that the Denver owners have had some other struggles with like like media deals and like they're just not a well-liked ownership group. Is that correct? <laughs> well, it's, it's certainly not from the scope of entertainment standpoint and a winning standpoint there. They, they sort of run it like they run uh, trying to be in the black. They're trying to make a profit there. That's sort of how uh, the Cronkies and the Waltons uh, who uh, own Walmart. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how they've offered. That's how they've operated over the course of their tenure. And, it's too bad because I think uh, I started as a Nuggets fan, still a, a Nuggets fan. Like you want an ownership group that is willing to do whatever it takes to win. That's the most important right. thing. And it's, it's paying your players. It's paying your coaches. It's playing. It's, it's paying for a practice facility, things like that. Making like the Nuggets are, and the Rockets are the only two teams that don't have a practice facility. That's like a dedicated uh, unit. And, and that's, that's a really, low bar for an ownership group to, to sort of cross now because 28 other teams have been able to do it. Uh, the Nuggets have not. And I think that's that's just one of the other examples of the ownership not really taking care of themselves or their fans. And, and on top of it, like you mentioned, the media deal, the Nuggets have not been on TV in Denver for the last three years. Uh, they have not what? come to an agreement with Comcast, who is the leading cable provider for Denver Nuggets games and for Altitude Network, the the nuggets and avalanche side of things. So it's the hockey team too. Uh, it's, it's a mess and, and it's just very disappointing the way that they've done this. And it's definitely not fan friendly in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I think so. So Doug, it's even hard in Minnesota to get the Timberwolves. And I, from my understanding, it's harder in Denver. Much you have no, Denver. you have no local television, no local television rights <laughs> uh, for the, for the nuggets there. Are you serious? So, <laughs> so they have they have some stuff like if, right? if you have direct TV and you pay gotcha. for a satellite dish and things like that, and you have to jump through a lot of hoops, pay a lot of different other things. And, and they've, they've talked about coming up with alternate solutions and things like that. But the fact is that they they could have stopped this. They could have stopped this at any given time and, and had the foresight to try to stop this, too. But the the ownership is it's just it feels like. Every single roadblock that they could hit with Nikola Jokic as a leading star for their team, that they're trying to make it competitive disadvantage for every single step of the way. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's gotta be frustrating. And I, I, I kind of speak for all Nuggets fans that everybody's really tired of it. Yeah. I, that sounds worse than we have it here. We have a few more <laughs> options, but wow. Um, <laughs> back to ownership GM stuff, Doug, I want to know from your playing days, how much interaction did you have with 
I, whoever it was general manager or whatever they, the title was then, but like the lead decision maker in the front office when you played and kind of, you know, contrasting that to how the relationships maybe are with the front office members in today's NBA. Yeah, I think it's a lot different um, when you look back into the uh, late 80s, um, early 90s when I played. Um, you know, you you had, you know, a few a few guys that were involved with ownership and, and whatnot who, who talked to them. But, you know, coming in in 89 to, uh, to Minnesota was an expansion expansion team. Wasn't sure, you know, how long we're going to be there. Um, uh, Marv Wolfeson and I think Harvey Harvey Ratner owned the teams uh, those those first few years. And then eventually they sold it off to Glenn Taylor, who's who is now on the team up until uh, Alex and, and Mark uh, take over um, next year. But as far as, you know, myself um, being involved with with decisions that were going on, it it wasn't really big. Um, you know, we had uh, Kevin McHale eventually came in as a GM before that. Um, uh, what was his name? Bob. Bob was one of it was either Marv's or Harv's son in law. So it was a family business. Uh you know, you know, it's the, the NBA, um, the way things are run now, it's a lot different um, in the 2000s than it was, uh, you know, I retired 20, 21 years ago. So um, it's been a long time. So now it seems like there's more direct interaction between, you know, lead executives in the front office. And from my understanding, Ryan, uh, Tim Connolly is very personable to players and and everybody that's around the team what's just like the general sentiment from from people that work with him or work for him I know Bones Island tweeted out damn like right after the news broke <laughs> like players like him media members like him fans what's the general sentiment uh well you hit the nail on the head there I think Everybody likes Tim Connolly. You can't find a negative thing said about him from a personable standpoint. Uh, everybody, they, they get their sourcing from him. They get the uh, the conversations around the NBA from him. He, he's just very willing and and desires the relationship stat part of this job. Like he, he wants to get to know players. He wants to get to know coaches, front office personnel. He will go to bat for you, whether as a, a front office person or a coach or a player, he, once you're in his corner, it's hard to get out of it. He, he won't let you out of it because he, he wants you to succeed. And, and that's the, the most important thing I think from all of this is that Denver's identity over the course of these last few years, we don't skip steps was kind of their main mantra. They need a new identity now. This they're over. Right. Like they Tim Connolly was the guy who established the identity and the culture. And now they have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. And so they've got a they've got a strong foundation with those guys and Michael Malone. And Calvin Booth has then been there for a little bit. So he'll they'll be fine. But it is going to be a weird change in, in Denver. And I think everybody in Minnesota can be really excited about what Tim Connolly is going to bring from a culture standpoint. He is going to unite the room. He's going to make sure everybody's pulling the same direction. And I don't think you're going to have a lot of concerns about errant personalities and agendas and things like that. I think that was, that's probably a big shift from, from Gerson Rosas right. and even from Sachin Gupta too. Rosas was very like, look at me, I'm doing this here. I am. Gupta's like really in the background, just like all the questions are going to go to the coach and like, he's not going to do a lot, which is fine. He's just not a, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and like brag about anything. 
So it seems like Conley's more like laid back. Like I, th- I think my favorite way I've heard him described is he's not a suit and tie kind of guy. And that part, you know, just more of a more personable type of front office member. What one of his main uh, tenets that he has established over the past couple of years is that he's the luckiest uh, GM in the world because he has Nikola Jokic to really help steer, help steer the franchise along. And when, when you have that, I, it's, it's on one hand, it's kind of self-deprecating because it, it takes some of the pressure off of him as a front office exec that no matter what he does, like the nuggets are going to be probably fine most of the time, as long as Nikola Jokic is committed, but he doesn't necessarily want all the credit. He doesn't necessarily want all of the attention. He grew up as a scout. That's, that's where, that's where his background really is. And, and so he, he loves to identify talents. He loves to identify like the draft is where he really excels. Uh, he's not necessarily looking to make the big deal and, and be like, okay, I'm going to win executive of the year because I did this. And you know, that, and you will respect me for it. No, he's not like that at all. He wants everybody to succeed. He vouches for everybody in the front office and on the coaching staff. You guys are going to have a great one. And that's, that's really disappointing from a Nuggets perspective. It sounds like he's, he's all about the organization and about the team. You know, it's, you know, put the organization and the team first um, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But, um, you know, he has 40 million reasons to be excited as well. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and honestly, what the big, the big thing, he didn't want to leave the Nuggets org because that's, it was family. That was, that right. was his family and how he established that. Uh, but the ownership didn't want to pay him the competitive wage that, that he had rightly earned over the course of his tenure and like 8 million, 8 million annually. And not to mention the ownership stake. That is even like, that's even yes. crazier. Um, but just eight million annually, like there are top level executives that are making more than that now. There's there's several guys that are in the double digits, so he he wouldn't even be like a top five paid exec. And the Nuggets weren't even willing to meet him there, so it's it was disappointing. That was uh, that was the the disappointing thing from an ownership side. Uh, they're rocking the boat, and and Tim Connolly is a guy that you know that the boat isn't going to be rocked if you're there if he's in place. Uh, so I'm I'm very curious to see what he does in Minnesota, because it sounds like there, there are still some moves that need to be made, like serious moves in order to sort of take the next step. But you've also got a young team that sort of just has to craft their identity and, and, and be hardened in the playoffs and things like that. Right. Can't hear you. Can't hear you, Brendan. Sorry, uh, Doug. So I know not all players think the same, but if, if you're in the league, what type of personality are you looking for in a GM? Do you want somebody that's very laid back, somebody that you never hear from, or somebody that's always like the look at me type? Like what kind of personality do you think players in today's NBA and maybe even yourself personally would like to be around? Yeah, I think you want a guy that's that's more laid back, not someone who's on the edge all the time and who's, you know, after you and after every every game and Everything, anything that goes wrong, he's just, you know, going nuts um, in the locker room. Um, I was fortunate. I had uh, Mikel, um as, as a GM. He was laid back players GM. Um, you know, Flip was a GM there for a while, too. So those guys were always, you know, about the player, um, making sure that the, the things were right for the players and the organization first. And then, you know, you just just go out there and play your game. Uh, try to make it as easy as possible for you to perform your your trade. 
correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, but doesn't it seem like uh, from a, a, a player's perspective that the most stressful times for you guys are probably around the trade deadline, probably around the draft, the start <laughs> of free agency. Like part of the reason for that is if, if you have a, a tough GM, somebody who is willing to wheel and deal and doesn't necessarily get to know you, right. that, that's gotta be tough. That's, and you gotta, you one of the reasons that they established that familiarity is, is so you know that you're not always have to be on edge during those times. Yeah, that's, it's very true. It's very true. I mean, and you want to know, especially you, you hit it perfect there, the, the, the trade deadline, um, anytime that trade deadline's coming, it's, it's always nerve wracking. And I can, re- I can remember when I got traded, um, I got traded at the last hours. So it was one of those things where you think, okay, I made it through. And then right before the game, you, you've been traded. So, it's you know, wild. those are situations that are, that are hard. Uh, but again, you, you learn, you grow from it and you move on. So I want to talk about Tim Connolly as the executive running a team. And what we saw from Gerson Rosas in his couple of years stint here was he had his fingerprint prints all over game plans, rotation decisions, things like that. Is Tim Connolly involved with any of Mike Malone's game planning or like anything like that? Because I know Rosas had a lot to say about like, you got to play so-and-so because I traded for Hernan Gomez. So you got to start him or you got to do this. Does Conley do any of that? What type of he, input does he have? I think he and Michael Malone are one of the reasons is because they they've been together for a long time. Uh, he respects what Michael Malone's decisions are going to be. He's going to do his best to try to put the best players on the roster that he can give Michael Malone the best tools that he can play around with and craft his rotations and his game plans and things like that. But for most of the time, like Tim would have various opinions. I think Michael Porter Jr. in his rookie year, that was a big one where uh, Michael Malone was playing Torrey Craig a lot over Michael Porter Jr. And the front office and everybody was like, Ah, you should probably play Michael Porter Jr. He's pretty talented. We uh, we think he could be really good, and he's going to be really important for us. Uh, but Michael Malone would be a little bit more stubborn on that. So he does have opinions, and he's going to like there. There have been incidents before where the the right guy is not being played, and there's certain reasons for that. But it's also kind of a part of Denver's culture where those guys can have opinions. They can butt heads a little bit, but they still respect each other. They still let each other do their jobs. It's not overstepping bounds. So I don't think Tim would do that uh, for Chris Finch, especially who he has a previous relationship with. Yeah. And that's, I think you mentioned Chris Finch. That's what I'm interested. The relationship I'm most interested to find out is how Finch and Connolly coexist. Cause they both seem like very similar personalities. And part of that worries me because I wonder sometimes you need checks and balances and I wonder where those checks and balances will come from if they are so similar, where they're both kind of just laid back, go with the flow type of guys. So that's a you know relationship that I'm really interested to kind of track how it progresses. But at the same time, the Timberwolves have those two guys, and that's who they're set with for multiple years. Chris Finch got an extension, and, and now we have five years of Tim Connolly. So those two seem like together. that's who the franchise wants to be you know, build their team with. Those are the the guys making the decisions. So I'm interested to see how they can coexist. And I don't think, I don't have like big worries about it, but the checks and balances is the only point where I'm a little weary, I guess. 
Yeah. And sometimes yeah. You, you're got to look for a player's perspective on this, a, a former player's perspective. And so is Sasha and Gupta the right guy to kind of be the third voice in the room? I'm, I don't know, but uh, there, there could be other opportunities for the T-Wolves to bring in different voices. Yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll, I think they'll get along. Well, I think it'll work. It'll work out fine. Um, it's good that you're worried about it, Brendan. It makes it makes it that much better. <laughs> um, one more question I have for you, Ryan, is what type of aggressiveness do you think we'll see from Conley around, you know, around the trade deadline, yeah. free agency, the draft? The Timberwolves have four draft picks this, this year. They have number 19 and then they have three second round picks, too. Um, if you had to guess, like, what would his plan be with with those and free agency and everything just coming up soon. It, it's tough because he, he was in a situation back in 2013 when he first got the job for Denver, where he didn't really rock the boat. They actually traded their, their first round pick for cash. And that turned out to be Rudy Gobert, uh, not his call that, that actually, that wasn't his decision really. And he wasn't given the, the flexibility to make that call. But uh, ever since then, he has been a guy that is wheeled and dealed in the draft. And so if you're, if you're looking for excitement for the Timberwolves, you've got four draft picks. You don't have like, I, you guys don't have too many free agents, correct? Like that's, it's Torian like Torian Prince, Prince and Jake Lehman, Josh Kogi, but those guys aren't coming back. Maybe Prince gets brought back. Not a lot of like core pieces up for contracts yeah. this year. So, so my guess is that he probably consolidates a couple of those picks, maybe trades one into a future year to have some uh, future flexibility. Yeah. Uh, he he is going to not rock the boat from a personnel perspective unless he sees the right deal and identifies that. Uh, he's not going to do it for the sake of doing it. Um, so if you're if you're worried about D'Angelo Russell getting traded or or excited about D'Angelo Russell getting <laughs> traded, I would be uh, I would temper those expectations at the draft. Certainly, maybe something manifests in free agency, but I, I tend to think that he is a guy who is going to want to see this roster play out a little bit before making massive decisions. And I think the big thing with, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell is D'Angelo Russell's up for a contract extension this year, but he does have one year remaining. And it seems like D'Angelo Russell is waiting for the Timberwolves to commit to him long-term. So if Hmm. they don't do that, it's kind of a sticky situation. If he goes into free agency next year, if he can get money somewhere else, he maybe won't feel like the Timberwolves valued him enough because they didn't offer him a contract extension the extension might not be for as much money as he wanted. So it's just like a very, it's a situation that I'm interested to see how Connolly approaches it. Cause it's in one way he can look at it is like, I haven't, I didn't make moves to build this roster with him. Right. Let me try. But at the same time, you got to think of D'Angelo's perspective and think about, you know, every, take everything into account. So that that's the move. I think Timberwolves fans, like you said, are either excited about nervous about whatever, but that's the one I'm most intrigued about to see how he handles it. I think that's like, it's going to be kind of telling, I guess, about how he, if he does shake something up, then obviously he saw from the outside that something happened, but if he doesn't, For sure. be, you know, yeah. It yeah like so has, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, it just seems like he has a, he has a good feel, you know, he, he lets his eye, lets his eye see what's going on, you know, get a, get a feel for the team. Um, you know, because it's it's really hard through training camp and everything to really get a feel for the team. You know, you gotta you gotta see them play together for a little bit, and then you know you 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 want to make those decisions. Unfortunately for D'Angelo, he's in that situation where he's up for a new contract, so 
you know, you might have to prove your worth a little bit here before uh, we, we see where, where, where we're going, because we know how the season ended last year with him on the bench, you know, so defensively, he has to step his step his game up a little bit when it's time to get paid here. And perhaps D'Angelo makes that decision for Tim Connolly. He's, he's yes. saying, OK, I want this extension. And if I don't get it, then I want you to trade me somewhere where I can get this extension. And right. that's that's a pretty common practice, I would say. Like there's there's a lot of people that are looking for long term security in this business. And D'Angelo is probably a guy who like he sees himself as a, a four year, hundred million dollar extension kind of guy. I don't think that uh, T Wolves fans think that. I think that they would they would hope that there's a little bit more flexibility and a little bit better of a place to upgrade there. But uh, Tim is all about making the right deal. He's all about being patient, waiting for the right deal to come along. Sometimes with that, whereas that is manifested, is the right deal never comes along, and then the asset kind of expires a little bit. Not from a not from a contract expiration standpoint, but just like okay, you had your time to trade this guy and then that time passed and now you're getting much worse value at this point. So maybe he's learned from that mistake and, and some of those mistakes in the past and is willing to make some changes. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious too. So I wonder what your take on this, what would you say his weaknesses as you know, the number one man in charge are, you know, every GM has the weaknesses, whether it's, relationships with with the team or like salary cap like overpaying guys um not making quality trades what do you say would be even if they're not big ones but just smaller ones what would be the weaknesses there i i'd say two things uh the first is his greatest strength is also his greatest weakness those relationships he is going to wait it out to make sure that those guys aren't the answer before making those moves and making those changes i think that Gary Harris is a pretty good example of that where Gary was trending down and something was going on and there's definitely something weird with his shooting and his defense and his ability to stay healthy. And then they ultimately got a good player back in return for him with Aaron Gordon, but it took probably a year too long. Same thing with Will Barton. Now Um, the other is I, I don't think that he, I think he does a good job of identifying talent I think one of the things that has held Denver back is that they don't, they haven't done a great enough job to surround those guys with the proper three and D pieces, the proper uh, like positional roles. I think he hasn't valued length enough. He hasn't valued uh, like the the defensive aspect of basketball. Frankly enough, he he is a guy who is. Uh, he's always going after the buckets. He's always going after, like, that's one of the reasons why he was drawn to Bones Highland and, and, and players like that. He's uh, he is a scorers. Like he, he knows, okay, that guy's a hooper. That guy's a bucket. I am going to go try to find a way to play with him. Cause one of the reasons he's, he wants basketball to be fun. He wants, he wants these guys to be able to enjoy themselves. And, and the guys that often enjoy themselves are the ones that like, might not necessarily be the ones that are focusing on, okay, I need to take away the baseline here on this, uh, on this assignment. Uh, and so sometimes those can fall through the cracks. So what would you say would be the strengths of him? You know, you named a couple weaknesses. What would you say are his biggest couple strengths that he has as a GM? Uh, draft is, is the biggest one. Uh, you, you want to make sure to have as many draft picks as possible because his hit rate is way better than the miss rate. And it's, it's one of the best hit rates in the entire NBA. And like the, there's, there's some aspects of it where Denver's player development, it might be a little bit different. Uh, like, like 
do you credit the GM for bringing in uh, the guy or do you credit the player development staff and the coaching for being able to maximize that talent? And so there's, there's some of that there that like, uh, but he, he still got the guy into the door. Uh, right. So that's, that's a big deal. Uh, and the other thing I would say is, is the, the relation, the relationship aspect of this, where he is going to make sure that the team, when they fall into uh, a bit of trouble, uh, turmoil and, and a potential breaking point, He's going to bring everybody together. He is going to make sure that the team doesn't fracture and that there, there have been teams in the past where the chips go down and they, they crumble. Like I think the, the Sixers are a good example of that. Uh, we like to say that at Denver, um, but the, uh, the nuggets have never fractured. They they've had a lot of organizational turmoil with the injuries over the course of these last couple postseasons. They could crumble. They, they haven't yet. And I think a lot of that was because of Tim. Right. And I think the drafting part is the thing that excites me and probably a lot of other, other Timberwolves followers and fans is we haven't really had strong drafting GMs. Um, when you think back to, I mean, Gerson Rosas, he did good drafting at the Edwards and Jada McDaniels, but he also made the famously bad trade of trading up to the sixth overall pick to get Jared Culver, who like still cannot crack an NBA rotation. Um, and then there's some other draft misses in the past. I mean, Josh Kogi has been a fine defender in his time, but he's been out of the rotation this whole past season. I mean, we drafted Justin Patton, who's a name you've probably never heard before. And there's oh, just I, a I lot have. of he was big, big <laughs> Denver guy. And, and I think we we thought that he was going to be drafted by Denver at one point. So it's that's funny that you mentioned him. Right. But the, the my overall point is like we just haven't had the 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 guys that can evaluate the talent of the draft. So I'm interested to see with four draft picks this year, what that, what that really looks like. I don't think there'll be four players, but how that value, like we talked about before trade up, trade out of it. Like what is it, what does it really look like? So I guess I'm overall excited. You obviously bringing some more information makes me more excited and probably people listening to this more excited as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is the NBA uh, awards or, or excuse me, the, all NBA teams are announced today and mm. Carl Anthony Towns is pretty likely, I would say to be on one of those teams, which would make him eligible for a Supermax extension. <laughs> would you think Tim Connolly probably gives Towns that extension immediately? Like we could hear about it potentially tomorrow or what do you think? Like, uh, you, you think he's going to pay them? Yeah. He, I, he'll he'll pay him. Uh, that's that's the the most important thing for any organization is to have the star or the superstar that they are looking for to to sort of center their identity around. And I think the the duo of Edwards and Towns it makes a lot of sense. And as long as those guys are happy with each other and are willing to coexist in the correct way, then they ha- they each bring their own positive skill sets that are very important for a championship team. Now, we've seen in the playoffs where, where centers that can't necessarily make good decisions or get stuck on the perimeter a little bit defensively, like they're going to struggle. And so Towns still has some growth to do, just like Nikola Jokic has had some growth to do. But I, I still think that Towns is an, uh, you guys know this, he's an incredibly talented offensive player and one of the best uh, in the NBA as a big man shooter. 
And he's, he's a guy that you can really center a lot of things around. He's not the only guy. And, and he, I don't know if he can be the guy on a championship contender, but you have to sign and keep the guys that are really talented. And if you don't, then things get a little bit dicey from an organizational perspective. Yeah. And- yeah. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. And I, and I also think Carl has actually moved his, his defense, especially through the playoffs, his defense has moved, um, it's, it came, it became a lot better, um, as, as they, as they went along there. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, it sounds like Tim will do the right thing and hopefully Carl will be around for a long time. Yeah. And a I, good example, uh, by the way, just a good example of the giving an extension. He gave Jamal Murray an extension, a max extension back okay. after his playoff run, his first playoff run, Denver's first playoff run. Uh, he gave Michael Porter an extension this last offseason. That one might not work out because of health reasons, and we'll just have to figure that one out. But he is all about retaining talent, and he's all about believing in the guys that you draft, the guys that you bring in. Now, obviously, he didn't draft Carl Towns, so he might have a different opinion on, on who Towns is as a player. I, I tend to think just being around him and kind of understanding his mentality that he will – believe in towns in the same way that he believed in Nikola Jokic. Yeah. The last thing I have, and maybe Doug has something else, but Tim Connolly did do a deal with the Timberwolves a couple seasons ago where, I mean, it was part of a larger grand scale deal uh, where he traded Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley mm. to Minnesota. Um, and really his return wasn't like super fantastic. So <laughs> was the view, was that trade made, because now they're going to be playing for him again. Was that trade made more as uh, these guys, we don't have a spot for them. Let's see if we can find somebody else that could help us in a different way. Or was it made where, you know, maybe he doesn't like Beasley's attitude or he didn't think that Vanderbilt was a strong enough player. What did, you know what, you know what I'm getting at? Like, should we be worried that those players are on his bad side or. No. Uh, he was high on Malik Beasley. He was high on Jared Vanderbilt. He drafted Wancho Hernan Gomez. Like that, like it, he was still high on him. So he, like the reason why that trade happened was because Denver's roster at that point was actually too good. Like, and, and I know that that sounds pretty narcissistic and, and like really dumb, but they had so many guys and so many talented players at that point. Uh, and they weren't like, like they had, Harris Barton and Craig was one of their, their lead defenders that, that Michael Malone wanted to keep. And so Malik Beasley had, like he had asked for a, an extension at that point. That wasn't like in the ballpark of what Denver wanted to give him. Obviously he got that in Minnesota and should be credited for that. Uh, But he liked Jared Vanderbilt. And I, I think that, I think that Minnesota really got the, like they, they took advantage of the position that he was in because he is like, he, he had too many talented players and they had so many draft picks that they were bringing in and like Monte Morris and uh, a lot of second round picks that they, they had still believed in. And should they have kept around Bull Bull? Should they have kept around uh, some of these other guys like Vlaco Chanchar? Like probably not. They, they certainly should have kept around Jared Vanderbilt. He was great. Uh, but it's not going to be a, a concern for you guys from a relationship standpoint. He was very high on those guys and still is. Perfect. Good stuff. Good stuff. Any last questions from you, Doug, for Ryan before we hop off? No, no. Ryan answered everything there. Uh, You know, looks like we got a good guy coming into Minnesota and uh, hopefully um, everything works out well for him him and his family and for the T-Wolves. Yeah. And I, I think it will too. And, and one last point too, if listeners haven't heard yet, 
as of now, Sachin Gupta is still part of the Timberwolves front office, which I think is a win. He's a very good, I think he'll help um, Connolly with some of like the money aspects of things and, and just relationships around the league too. That's two guys who have a lot of connections throughout the league. So I think that'll make for a, a great front office. I don't know if it'll last past the season once Gupta's contract is up or even maybe he'll get a job offer somewhere else. But as of now, they're together. And I think that'll be a good pairing as, as time goes on. No, hundred percent. Like you guys, it seems, it seems very much like everything in, in the Minnesota front office and ownership and coaching is very much in order that it's, it's structured in a scenario where you want to take advantage of the, the playoff window that you guys have. And I, I firmly believe that you guys are on the up and up and Tim Connolly will help with that for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan, for taking your time to come, you know, talk to me. And so listeners can understand a little bit more of the guy that's going to be running their team. Um, you can follow Ryan on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at NBA Blackburn. That's NBA B-L-A-C-K-B-U-R-N. Um, he writes over at uh, Denver Stiffs, which is the SB Nation site. Um, same with me writing over at Canis Hoopus. And you find me on Twitter at B underscore Headkey NBA. Find Doug on Twitter at Doug West B-Ball. And I think that's all we got for today. So thank you all for listening to the Believe in Turbos podcast presented by Bet Online. And we will catch you guys soon. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.